0: Here we go. Good morning, Restore Church. There we go. Hey, I am excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Kevin McNeil. And I am a church planter here at Restore. And what that means is this past September, my wife and I, we got here at Restore. And this September, we are moving to Goldsboro, North Carolina, and we will be planting a church in Goldsboro. And so I am excited to be here with you. I've been here with you since September, but I'm excited to be speaking. I'm excited to be, uh, for these next few weeks, diving into God's Word. Uh, but before we get started, I'm going to ask that you go to God and prayer with me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you for this building to come and to meet and gather and uh, worship you. We pray that you would give us your spirit this morning. and Help us as we dive into your word. Uh, help us to understand and teach us what you want us to know. God, we love you and we serve you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Everyone in here is good, at one thing. Okay, like everyone in general, they always have one thing that they're really, really good at. Everyone in this audience, you have one thing that you're really good at. Some people are really good at sports and basketball and football, baseball, all that stuff. Some people are really good at journalism and writing. Some people are really good at, at, you know, computer stuff and technology. Some people are really good you know, with mechanical stuff and, and working on cars and engines and stuff. Everyone in here has one good thing. When you're a little kid, they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you start thinking to yourself, well, what's the one good thing that I, I'm good at? And, and right now, you're probably, in your head, you probably already know the thing that you're good at. Uh, I know the thing that I'm really good at. Uh, I am really good at... At Making fun of people. I don't know why, but I have just been given this ability to just roast people in my head over and over when I meet them. Uh, It's kind of weird, but I'm really, really good at it, and I need to tone it down a lot of times. I think that the reason why is because when I was growing up, I, I grew up with rough friends, and I grew up with all sisters, and they just nailed into me. They were, I was the baby of the family, and I was the only boy. I had uh, three sisters, and two of them were identical twins. And so every day, they would just joke me and, and play me. And you either learn to sink or swim. And instead of crying about it, I, I kind of joked back. And before you know it, I'm really good at making fun of people. And even today, as an adult, when I meet people, I can easily just start making fun of you in my head because I want to be ready. Like, if you start making fun of me, I want to have ammo ready to just shoot back at you. And I've, I've had to learn to, like, tone it down over the years because I, I've learned the hard way that it can be a little painful and it can often, you can often regret things that you say. Uh, I remember when I was in seventh grade, I was at home, and I was in my kitchen, and my mom was home, but I don't think that she knew that I was home, and here's why. Normally, when my mom, she walks up and down the hall, and she's doing work and stuff, she will always be humming, okay? That's one memory of my mom that i always remember. She's always humming, and she's doing something, but today, I don't think that she knew that I was home because I was in the kitchen, and I heard her singing, and she wasn't just singing, But she was belting it out. There's this song, and it's kind of old, uh, and it's like a a Christian classical song. I'm going to attempt to sing it here, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about if you've ever heard it. It's like, And he walks with me, and he talks with me. Have you guys ever heard that? Okay, you guys have heard that. So that... Is a pretty difficult song to sing. Like it's got a, a lot of highs and a lot of lows and a lot of roller coaster in between. And my mom is walking down the hallway and she is giving it her best and she is belting it all. And, and I don't think she knew I was there because when she turned the corner and she saw me, seventh grade Kevin, ready to drop some jokes. And so as soon as she sees me, I start laughing, and I just start drilling into her. I say, Mom, what was that? You call that singing? And I'm laughing. And I'll never forget, because I said this, and, and listen, I'm going to tell you this, but you got to understand, I am 28 years old, okay? I'm not a seventh grader anymore. I get it. It was immature what I did. I understand. But when I looked at my mom, I, I'm laughing, and I said, Mom, I sounded like a dying goat, okay? And my mom, you know, she's standing there, and and I don't know if you've ever done this. You ever tell a joke, and then your own joke makes you laugh? That's what I did. I said, Mom, that sounds like a dying goat. And then it registered in my head, like, wow, that was really funny. And so I start laughing more and more and more, and I am just cracking up at making fun of my mom. And finally I say, Mom, what was that? And I stand up, and I see my mom, and there are tears running down her face. And she says, that was me singing. And she walks back to her bedroom, and she locks the door. Do you realize how small it makes you feel when you make your own mother cry like that? I I felt so bad, but I wasn't trying to make her cry. I was trying to make her laugh. I was, I was trying to have a good time. I didn't realize that my words carried as much weight as they did. I didn't realize that my words affected my mom like they did. This morning, we're starting a a sermon series called Words with Friends. Anybody in here play the game or or used to play the game Words with Friends? Anybody? Yeah, okay, okay. A few people. Uh, Now it's called Words with Friends 2. I guess the first one just wasn't good enough. Uh, But pretty much the game, it's kind of like Scrabble. You get given letters, and your letters have a a number value to them. And your friend has uh, an equal amount of letters, and you both compete to make words, and sometimes you have really good letters and you can make some really, really big, awesome words that add up. Sometimes you have some really, really kind of dinky letters and you can't really make that good of a word. But sometimes, even when you have these you know, little dinky letters, depending on how you play them and where you place them, even the tiniest words can get you the most points. And this morning, as I was thinking about you know, words with friends, uh, and as I, I made this sermon series, I thought, how true is that in our lives today? Our words are powerful. Our words carry weight. They have value, and they navigate our relationships. And when we exchange words with our friends, these words matter, And this morning, I want to dive into God's word and see what he says about our words and how he wants us to use them. Because we all have a story like me and my mom. Maybe for you, you were just having a bad day, and it was just thing after thing after thing, and and work was tough, and your morning was tough, and you get home, and whether it's your spouse or your friend or family member, whoever, uh, they just say something to you the wrong way, and you just let them have it. You just lay into them, and you don't hold back, and you tell them everything you're thinking right now. And as soon as the interaction's over, you think to yourself, why? Why did I say that? What was the..." What was I thinking? And you can see the the hurt and the pain on their face. Maybe for you, you were just talking about somebody and you didn't know that they were around. And, and, you know, you start talking about this person and you get really, really personal about it. And you start telling them how you feel about it and what they're doing with their life and what they should do with their life. Only to realize they're just right around the corner. And they've heard every word that you said. And and immediately you see the pain on their face and you think, man, why? Why did I say that? Maybe you are like me. Maybe you just joke a lot and you don't understand the weight of your words. And you don't, you don't get it why people are so easily offended by you. And you just don't understand why people don't want to be around you. And you think people just need to, to get some thicker skin and, and grow up. But deep down, you want to know why. You want to know why people avoid you. You want to know why people get so upset when you say the things that you say. This morning, I want to uh, flip to James chapter 3, verse 1, and I want to dive into God's Word. And I want to see what He says about our words and how we should use them. So if you've got your Bibles, flip over to James 3. I'm going to grab a water. Flip over to James 3. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there are Bibles on the ends of the rows, so you can feel free to grab one. If not, it will be on the screen. And you can download the Restore app, because we've got a Bible in there. James chapter 3, verse 1, and if you would, uh, just keep your Bibles open, and we'll kind of work through this entire passage. I'm going to be reading from the NIV, and this is what it says. It says, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. It makes great boasts. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Have you guys ever heard this phrase? If you have, you can finish it with me. Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never... There we go. Yeah, we say this to kids all the time because, you know, we just, we're, we're tired of them tattletelling on, on other kids. We want to teach them to not be so offended by what other people say. It's this idea to like, hey, grow up, get some thick skin, you know, stop being offended by everything. But James says the opposite here. James says, sticks and stones can break your bones, but your words are incredibly powerful. And your words, man, they carry a lot of weight to them. He starts the passage out and he says, hey, not many of you should be teachers. Because if you say something, if you are speaking on behalf of God and then your actions don't follow up, that is really, really dangerous. You're going to be judged more strictly. And then James goes in and he compares this part of our body, this tongue of ours. He says, your tongue is a very small part of your body, but it's probably one of the most powerful parts of your body. He compares it to three things. Number one, he compares it to, uh, <clears throat> to a horse. Has anyone in here, you can raise your hand, anybody in here ever ridden a horse before or, or interacted with a horse? Yeah, horses are so scary, All right, they are huge. I have seen YouTube videos of people getting kicked by a horse, and it is not a game, okay? These animals are massive, they're tall, they're broad. And when you approach a horse, you'll notice that its whole body is just ripped, like shredded with muscle. I mean, these things, they're kind of like me, you know, but uh, these horses, man, they are just massive. And a horse can pull up to like three times its body weight. Farmers have been using them for years. Even in 2020, we compare the engine of a car to the power of a horse. We say this engine has this much horsepower. Horses are, are incredibly strong. And you would think that in order to subdue such a strong animal, you need a, a huge, you know, big machine or something. But James says, no, 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 all you need is a very tiny bit that you put into his mouth. And once it's in there, you can control the horse, make it do or go wherever you want it to go. And James says your tongue is the same. Your tongue is very, very tiny, but it is incredibly powerful. And then he compares uh, your tongue to a ship. Um, I don't know if you guys go on cruises or not. My wife, she loves going on a cruise. I refuse to go on such a boat because, have you ever seen the Titanic? Like, not about that life. And so the idea of a vacation is not a cruise for me. But, but she tells me about these cruises. She tells me how big these boats are. She tells me that, you know, you have basketball courts on there and you have pools and some of them have like amusement parks and there's just, it's just this massive, gigantic boat. And if you were on one of these boats and you were sailing to Africa, you got to understand the rudder of that ship is the thing that steers it. And if that tiny rudder is off, one degree or two degrees, you wouldn't know it until you got to Europe because that rudder being off, it, it completely changes the direction of your course. And uh, James says the same is true with your tongue. Your tongue is small, but guess what? It, it directs your life. And then James compares your tongue to, uh, to a fire, uh, to a flame, really, uh, I, unless you've been living under a rock you know that right now, Australia is burning. And it has been burning for quite some time, and it is this massive fire. Uh, I read just the other day that they found some firefighters dead in all of this. So people have died, animals have died, people and animals have lost their homes. It's just this crazy massive fire that they can't seem to get under control. And to think that that entire fire started with just a little spark. James says, your tongue is like that tiny spark. Even though it's tiny, it can go and do crazy damage if you don't keep it under control. You see, our words are powerful. When God created the world, you know what he used? Words. We're going to keep reading because James, from this point, he talks about how our words and our relationships need to go together. Check out this in verse 7. It says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I need you to imagine with me uh, just for a minute. Some of you, you might have to think back. Some of you are in the, the thick of it now. Some of you might have never experienced this, but you kind of get it and you know what it's like. I want you to think back to the first few weeks of a relationship. You know, like when you are are in love with your honey, you know, and everything is just absolutely perfect and it's just this lovey-dovey, like, oh my goodness, I love you so much. And they're just beautiful and, and flawless and nothing they can do could ever upset you because they are perfect and you're going to spend forever with them. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like this, oh, it's this disgusting and yet beautiful picture of a relationship. Uh, you do this thing where you say, oh, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, let's just fall asleep on the phone together and wake up like that, you know. I love you. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. I love you infinity. I love you to the moon and back. You know, it's this like cute little relationship thing. Listen, my wife and I, uh, we were dating and we were in this stage. I think maybe we were a month or two into this relationship, and she was sitting on the couch, and I was massaging her feet, because that's what you do, you know, when you're in this lovey-dovey stage. After you get married, like, yo, get those feet away from me, okay? Uh, I'm just kidding. I still try to massage my wife's feet. So uh, we we're sitting there on the couch, and I'm, I'm giving her a foot rub, and she is about to go next week and meet my family in Virginia, And uh, she's asking me questions about where I'm from and what's my family like and this and that. And I'm excited. I'm like, oh, they're going to love you. And then she asked this question, and she asked it so cute. She says, Kevin, what what are you going to do if, like, your family doesn't like me? And then out of nowhere, I don't know why, but I just turned into such a savage. I just completely lifted that filter, and I said, if my family doesn't like you, we're probably not going to work out. And then... And then I, and then I like put it right back on, and I was like, "Hey, yeah, let's, let's keep being in this relationship, you know?" And she didn't tell me at the time, but like you know later, she told me she was like, "I was so worried because you know, I was, I was worried about meeting your sisters and your family, if they didn't like me, you were probably going to break up with me. And the reality is, she's right because if she doesn't like my family, and my family doesn't like her." I don't know that we can work out because I love my family, they love me, and you can't love me but hate my family. That's just not how it works. When you marry me, you marry into my family. James says the same thing here. He says, listen, you can't use your tongue to praise God, but then turn around and say, God, I hate this creation of yours. That's like someone dating you or or being your friend and saying, listen, I really like you, but man, I can't stand your kids. They get on my last nerve. Maybe if you just like got rid of them, we could hang out some more. You know, it just doesn't happen that way, okay? And James says the same thing. He says, listen, you can't use your tongue to worship God and praise God and come here on a Sunday morning and sing, sing out praises to his name, and then turn around and say, God, I can't stand Jerry. He is so annoying. And then and then talk about Carson and and, and hate on Ashley. Because these are God's creation. These are God's children. And if you're going to praise God, you need to be okay with his creation as well. You see, your words are powerful. And so it's important for you to think before you speak. It's important for you to be careful what you say. But how? Like, how do we do this? How do we tame our tongue? And uh, I'm excited. For the next two weeks, because that's exactly what we're going to talk about. For the next two weeks, we're going to talk about how we can watch what we say and think before we speak. But before we even get into that, I think it's important to back up and look at the deeper, deeper issue here. I want you to flip really quick to, uh, to Luke 6.45. Luke 6.45. This is Jesus talking And Jesus gives us a a huge insight to our words and where our words come from. This is what he says. He says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil things stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. You see, what comes from your mouth actually comes from your heart. Let me say that again. What comes from your mouth actually comes from your heart. And so before we start talking about our words and how to control our speech, we need to back up and get to the, the source of the problem, and that is our heart. Uh, imagine if you went to a doctor and you had this splitting headache. And you said, doctor, I got a migraine. I need some help. And he gives you some aspirin. And you go home, and it's okay for a while. And then the next day, you go back. He say it hasn't gone away. And he gives you some aspirin. And then you go again the third day and the fourth day. You know, it's the eighth day, and you still got this headache. And he's still giving you aspirin. Eventually, you say, doc, I think something is bigger than just this headache. Something is going on to cause this. And aspirin is just treating the symptom. I want to get to the actual source of the problem. And James is saying the same thing. Jesus is saying the same thing. What comes from your mouth actually comes from your heart. And so in order to understand how to control what we say and in order to understand how to think before we speak, we got to look at how to transform our hearts. Uh, Maybe for you, you just, man, you are just so angry all the time and you, you know, it's easy for you to pick a fight, it's easy for you, you're you're kind of like hot-headed, and you're, you're just really, really quick to argue, and you're really quick to cut someone down, maybe it's not so much your words, maybe it's a little bit of hatred in your heart. Maybe for you, you joke a lot, and your joking is often about sexual things and inappropriate things and kind of filthy things. And even though maybe your buddies and your friends laugh at it, it's really not appropriate. Maybe it's not so much that you need to control what you say, but you need to look at what's inside your heart. Maybe you have a lot of lust in there. Maybe you need to consider a life of purity. You know, maybe, maybe you need to consider what you're watching, what you're bringing in. Uh, To your body. Maybe for you, you just, man, it's so easy for you to compare other people. You know, it's so easy for you to talk about other people. It's so easy for you to, to just hate on other people. Maybe it's not so much gossip and it's more about jealousy in your heart. You see, what comes from your mouth comes from your heart. So the question this morning is not how can we control what we say and how can we tame our tongues. The question this morning is, how do we clean our hearts? I I have a a really cool thing that I like to do. Someone told me this like 10 years ago, and I love it, and I hate it at the same time, because after I know this, I'm like, man, I don't have an excuse anymore. (laughs) Uh, There's a a scripture, and I have it here on the screen. It's Philippians 4, verse 8, and and I'm going to read it to you right here. It's called the Philippians 4-8 test. This is what I do to myself pretty regularly. Uh, it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing: fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, this Philippians four eight test is pretty simple. In order to to figure out what's going on in your heart, in order to clean and purify your heart, uh, it's the same way that we monitor kind of like our, our weight, and we monitor our blood pressure, and we monitor our cholesterol. We watch what we put into our bodies. And so uh, what, what are you listening to that's probably going to influence your heart? What you're watching on Netflix, what you're you're watching at the movies and at your house and what you're jamming to on the radio and and on YouTube and stuff, that is going to affect your heart. Is it good? Is it noble? Is it pure? Is it holy? And a lot of times when I compare what I'm watching and what I'm listening to to the Philippians 4.8, I'm like, oh, it's probably not the best. You know, when I was a kid, I loved WWF. Not WWE, WWF, World Wrestling Federation, okay? And I would love to watch Stone Cold just smash a chair over a dude's head, and then after the match is over, just beat up the referee while he's at it, you know? And I would watch that every Monday and every Thursday religiously, and then I would go to school, and guess what would happen? I would get in a lot of fights. Who would have thought, you know? Expose a kid to a lot of violence, and they'll start acting violently, and the moment that my mom made me stop watching wrestling, I calmed down a little bit. You see the Philippians 4A test. It, this rage and this anger and this hatred and violence was in my heart. And so it was, it was coming out of me. It's easy. You know, who are you surrounding yourself with? I have a friend who uh, we grew up together, and I've known her for a really long time. And then she moved to Tennessee. We're going to be? Anybody here from Tennessee? Anybody from Tennessee? I am not going to hate on Tennessee, okay? I like Tennessee. All right? Uh, So she moved to Tennessee, and this past week I called her. And when she answered the phone, I'm not lying, she said, hello. I said, whoa, what happened to you? And we were just laughing about her accent and how it was so thick and just like, man, you're a completely different person. It's because she's been around people that talk like that. And so it's kind of rubbed off on her. Are your friends passing the Philippians 4A test? Are they pushing you towards holiness? Are they pushing you towards truth? And so this morning, uh, as we conclude, I want to challenge you this week to consider what you're watching, consider what you're listening to, consider who you're hanging around. Do they pass the Philippians 4-8 test? Because that stuff is going to leak into your heart and your heart is going to leak into your words. Because what comes out of your mouth actually comes out of your heart. Let's pray. God, we we thank you so much for Jesus, and we thank you so much for for coming and paying our price even when we didn't deserve it. And God, we thank you for your patience with us. When we say things that are just silly and we say things that that we instantly regret and we don't think before we speak, God, we thank you that you're patient and your grace and your mercy, it, it never runs out. God, I I pray this morning, uh, first, that you would help us to check our hearts. You would help us to see if we're truly, genuinely following you and if we're really putting holy, pure, noble, truthful thoughts inside of us. And if we aren't, God, I pray that you would strip away all the evil, strip away all that that negativity, Father, and, and replace it with you, replace it with your spirit, replace it with good. God, uh, I thank you for Jesus for coming and and transforming our hearts. God, because we know that that no amount of Christian music or no amount of good uh, things that you can watch could transform us. God, that's only your son. And so, God, we we pray, I pray for the people here this morning that if they leave today, God, that they might consider giving their hearts to you. Father, we we love you so much. And we pray for these next few weeks that you would help us, give us your spirit to help us understand how to control what we say. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.